Welcome to the John Brown University Chapel podcast, recorded in the historic Cathedral of the Ozarks in Salem Springs, Arkansas. This week's chapel speaker is Kim Hadley. Dr. Hadley is Vice President of Finance and Administration at JBU. Good morning. I understand what effort you made to be here today in April when it's this time in the semester. <laughs> Absolutely, and I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. So my name is Kim Hadley. I'm a vice president at JBU. I've been here 26 years. The first 13 of those I spent teaching. Since then, I've pretty much been kind of like in a closet doing admin work. So you don't really know me. Some of, a few of you do. <laughs> there you go. But I want you to know I love you. And students energize me. And every morning I get up excited about what I get to do at JBU because of you. So I'm really delighted to be with you today and to study scripture. So we are going to be looking at Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9. Why don't you stand with me as we read the word of the Lord? Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you to you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Lord, we thank you for this day. We love and praise you. Please guide my words today. Let nothing come from my lips that is not from you. Let each of us take from this passage what you desire for us to learn. We ask all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Please be seated. So Deuteronomy, we've been studying the Exodus series, right? And so Deuteronomy is a series of um, sermons from Moses before he dies. So he had important things to say. Have you ever exchanged parting words with people? Maybe that person wasn't going to die, you know, but perhaps your family, when they dropped you off at JBU, gave you their nuggets of wise wisdom, right? how to navigate college, study hard, lean into your faith in God. Some of you may or may not heard of a Christian singer from the 70s. His name was Keith Green. He died, yeah, great musician. He died at 28 in a, in a um, plane crash with some church planters. And I was watching a documentary about him and um, his wife said that he was about to get on a plane just to take some people up, and he just said to her, he didn't know he was going to die, but he said to her, if I don't come back, raise our daughter to love God. Those are some pretty powerful, important parting words. And so Moses is saying some pretty important, important parting, part, parting words. He's underscoring some history and he's encouraging the Israelites. So Moses is teaching the Israelites that Yahweh, what Yahweh has, in, has given him to teach, but he's encouraging them. But these aren't just opinions of Moses. 
They are God-given revelation. The book of Deuteronomy starts out by giving a brief review of the events that happened to Israel up up to that point. Moses reminds the people of God's deliverance out of Egypt, their journey through the wilderness, the spies who went into the land, their refusal to seize the land, and how as a result they wandered the wilderness for 40 years. Now they're at the edge of the promised land again. There have been instructions on proper sacrifices, on proper behavior, and the Ten Commandments have just been repeated. Then we come to what is known by Jewish people as the Shema, which is still repeated twice daily by religious Jews. And it says, Hear, O Israel, Yahweh is God. Yahweh is one. You shall love Yahweh with your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. The Shema summarizes the demands of the first two, ten, first two of the Ten Commandments and calls the Israelites to internalize these commandments so that the commandments seep deeply into their hearts. In the Shema, it's clear that precision rule following isn't enough. God wants the Israelites to know and to love him. God wants that for us today too. He knows our purpose. He created us. You know, sometimes as careful people, we lose our creativeness as we age, but children are very creative. Have you ever sat with a child and watched them make something out of clay or paint something? And if you ask them, what is this? What's its purpose? What's it doing? They'll often, with these intricate stories, tell you all the details with joy. They'll tell you what the purpose is, what the item they created is doing. How more true is that with our creator God? He knows us inside and out. He knows that there's a hole in our heart that longs for him. He knows the very purpose for which we were created. To love our God is the heart issue of our faith. And he knows that about us. So the passage starts with calling the Israelites' attention to hear, O Israel. Or let me rephrase that. Listen up. Listen up. That's what he's saying. Now, in my marriage, my husband and I have noticed something. I am often lost in thought, often. We're driving along the road or we're sitting on our our back porch, and if I'm not careful, he is halfway through telling me something, and I didn't even realize he was talking to me. At first, this caused him to question my hearing, whether I needed some help in that department, but then we realized I just wasn't paying attention. But if he called my attention before he wanted to tell me something important, Kim, or hey, I want to tell you something, I would give him my full focus and understand. So that's what's happening here. Listen up, Israel. That's what Moses is saying. I have things that are important to say. Um, In Romans 10, 17, we see, so faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And during his earthly ministry, Jesus often said, let anyone has ears hear. So hearing is important. Hearing to listen is important. In the Shema, Moses calls people's attention by hear, O Israel. Then he lays out the important information. He encourages them to believe in the one true God. The Lord is one 
indicates monotheism. These words emphasize that Yahweh is the one and only God. All other gods are false gods, and Yahweh is to be Israel's only God. Other nations might and did have false gods, but Israel is bound by covenant duty to worship only Yahweh. Today, we don't hear of that many religions that are genuinely polytheistic, although there are some, but we have many gods. Our culture, for instance, has small g gods, not capital G, but small g gods, and many of them. We worship the God of money, the God of success, the God of being meaningful, the God of sex, the God of our cell phones. In our sinfulness, we are willing to put just about anything before God. And such actions are just as much idolatry as the idolatry in the Old Testament. T today, we can even find the popular argument that you do you, and that we can create our own gods, small g gods, right? We make, create almost like a buffet food mill. Let's go through and pick the things, the attributes about God that makes us feel okay. And that will be our God, small g God. But God calls us to worship him as the one true God. And he wants us to know him, truly know him, as he truly reveals himself in scripture. Hear, O Israel, Yahweh is our God. Yahweh is one. Then Moses encourages the Israelites to love God with their whole being. We are to love God with all our heart and with all our soul. Our physical hearts are at the core of our physical beings, but the Hebrew word labab is to speak of the inner being or inner self. They associated this with a person, it's his core being, character, personality, mind, intellect, or will. The Israelites thought of the person holistically. When this Deuteronomy passage is re referenced in the New Testament, the word mind is added. Jesus spoke Aramaic. In Aramaic, it wasn't one word combining, my, combining mind and heart. Two words. The two words combined having the same meaning as the one Hebrew word. So, we are also called to love God with all of our strength. And my understanding of the Hebrew word here has to do with strength, power, might, and abundance. So we might actually interpret this phrase as meaning that we should love the Lord our God with all those things which God has gifted us, good things. Our talents, treasure, strength, friends, intelligence, your future, etc., etc. All that we have is from God and everything we have can be used to glorify God. But in our sinfulness, we can put even the most precious good gifts from God above God as idols. About 10 years ago, I realized that I had placed my most precious gifts from God, my husband and children, above him as idols. That was a pretty dark day for me, honestly, to think about those good gifts from God actually having been placed as idols above God. And it was actually, frankly, came as a surprise. In fact, I did not realize that I held on to this type of idolatry until one of my children went through a serious faith-challenging difficulty in high school. 
And although I prayed to God for her, interceded for her, I didn't trust him with her. And I was talking to my mother, and by the way, I was in my 40s when this happened, so your mother has wisdom and discernment, even in your, when you are 40 and 50. Write that down, jot it. You know, 30 years from now, you'll think back and appreciate that. But I was talking to my mother, and I was describing what was happening, and, and um, I was trying to control and fix the situation, but it was not easily fixed. It just truly wasn't. I had hatred in my heart for people who I felt were leading her in some difficult ways and true hatred. And I had placed her as an idol before God. Now, I had every instinct to protect her and that instinct isn't bad in and of itself, but I wasn't trusting God with her. And my mother, I remember who we were standing, she said, Kim, you just have to trust God. And even at late 40s, you can kind of talk back to your mom inappropriately. And I said, are you not hearing me, mom? Do you not hear what I just said? Her faith is on the brink. And my mother said, yes, I heard. And you need to trust God with her. He loves her more than you love her. And that was like a gut punch to me because when I held that little baby for the first time, I really grasped what parental love was like, and it honestly opened my eyes up about how much God loved me. But I loved her, loved her. And it is mind-boggling to me to know that God loves her more than I do. And that was when I realized I'd placed my daughter as an idol before God. When I began the process of repenting my idolatry, stopped trying to control the situation, and waited for the Holy Spirit's timing, the issue began to resolve, and she was stronger for it. See, the Lord knew she needed to go through that path for her faith to really be her own. I had to truly love and trust the one true God with my precious gift that he gave me, my precious child, understanding that truly she was only on loan to me in this world. I had to internalize that the one true God loved my daughter more than I loved my daughter. I had to release her to him. Ask yourself today, what of your strength and might might be your idol before God? And from a little experience, you know, it could be intelligence, future career, what God, where, where's your path? Friendships, romantic interests, health, wealth, et cetera, et cetera. But let me give you a hint. Ask yourself where your pride is. There you'll find your idol. I think that's true for most of us. Our pride in those good gifts that really aren't ours, they're from God, is where our idols lay. Moses goes on to say, these words which I command you this day shall be on your heart we talked about before that our heart, the heart concept is the core of our being. So this commandment to keep these words in our hearts is to a requirement to keep God's commandments at the core of our being. It's a requirement to internalize so that our compliance springs from our heart rather than from some legal obligation. It is a requirement to keep these commandments originally inscribed on tablets of stone, inscribed on our hearts. 
He tells them to take specific actions, to remember the commandments. He explained to teach them diligently to their children. As I understand the word used here, the Hebrew word, the meaning to sh is to sharpen or to teach incisively. One commentator said that this is like words are cut, just like words are cut on the stone, they're to be impressed in our hearts, impressed in the hearts of children of every generation. Moses goes on to use a rhetorical device called merism, in which it's a combination of two contrasting parts of a whole when taken together represents the whole. So Moses instructs them to talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way. So that really means wherever you are, talk about them. When you lie down or when you rise up is another merism, which means whatever state you're in. You shall bind them for a sign on your hand, and they shall be symbols before your eyes. This verse actually gives rise to Israelites and, 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 and Jewish people today wearing leather boxes containing verses of Scripture to remind the person of their core beliefs and those who see that person to remind them of their faith. You shall also write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates, and, and this probably means city gates, so in the privacy and in your public life. The commandments should, think, should influence you holistically in the privacy of your home, how you think about society, how you go about your, your public life. In Jewish homes today, religious Jewish homes today, often contain the Shema in a small metal box affixed to the doorpost resulting from this. And lest you think that this is just an Old Testament emphasis, Jesus in Mark 12 was asked, you know, what's the most important? And Jesus replied, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. So notice here that Jesus emphasizes the loving your neighbor as yourself. This is no small feat. Think about that. We're pretty selfish, sinful people. Who is your neighbor? I challenge you to think about that. Who is that? Is it the purpose, person on this campus who is alone or a little different from you? Maybe it's the person who has different views than you. Maybe even frustrates you. Maybe even infuriates you. Maybe that's the person God's calling you to love as yourself. It's easy to love our friends, right? It's harder to love someone who's different. That's a challenge. That's no small feat. And how do you love that person as yourself? Maybe that means avoiding harsh words on social media. Maybe that means sitting down over coffee or tea and saying, hey, we, we, we have different views on this. Let's talk about it. Maybe it means sharing a meal in the dining room with that person who's sitting alone. I don't know who your neighbor is or how you should love that person as yourself. However, I would ask you to join me to endeavor to love people as ourselves. Not just our friends, but those who are different from the, us. Those who may challenge us the most and know all the buttons to push. 
those are our neighbor. We're called to love them as ourselves. However, you know, and I know, we can't do that in our own skin. We are just too selfish and sinful by nature. We can only do this through God. We need to start each day praying and throughout the day, honestly, if you're like me, one, I'm not one and done. It has to be consistently throughout the day that God helps us to love him with all our heart, soul, mind, and might, and that may God's love flow into us and then out from us. Join me in prayer. Lord, we come to you grateful that you love us, that you first loved us. We are grateful that you gave us your word to hear. Lord, impress that word on our hearts. Help us to know and love you, Lord. Having no false gods or idols before you. Reveal those to the, us when they, they pop up in our lives and help us to, to confess and lay those at your feet. Help us to even hold loosely the gifts you have provided so that they don't become idols. Help us to love everyone we meet today. We know we cannot do this alone. We know we need you to open our eyes to our neighbors. Give us a desire to know, understand, and love others as ourselves. Give us a desire to love not just our friends and those who are like us, but please, Lord, give us a desire to know and love those who are different from us. Please bring to us those people we need and take us to those people who need us. And do this all with the covering of you. Cross our paths with your divine intervention. And through your grace, Lord, help us to love others as ourselves. In the name of Jesus, amen. Thanks for listening to this episode of the John Brown University Chapel Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes or whatever platform you're listening on, and we'd love it if you would leave us a review.